Mirgul Kali translates from her native Kazakh. Her translation of short stories by classic and contemporary Kazakh writers appeared in Tupelo Quarterly, Exchanges, The Massachusetts Review, Gulf Coast and other publications. She received a Penheim Translation Fund grant and a Pen Translate Award for her translation of Bayat Gul Sarmakova's To Hell with Poets, a short story collection forthcoming from Tilted Access Press in 2024. She holds an MFA in Literary Translation from the University of Iowa, where she was an Iowa Arts Fellow. Please share your feedback on this episode either on the Spotify app or through the link provided in the show notes. You can follow Harshaniyam Podcast on Spotify, Apple or search any of your favorite podcasting apps. Welcome to our podcast, Harshaniyam Mirkul. Thank you, Anil. I'm delighted to be here. You are trained as an engineer and worked in the oil and gas industry. How did you get into translation? Well, I was always into books. Um, you can say I was obsessed with books uh, since I was very young. And uh, growing up, I... knew i wanted uh, reading writing and working with language to be part of whatever i do as an adult but i was also a kid from a small town in kazakhstan um from a working class family and so i i didn't really know what options were available to me in this field um i knew i could be I could teach literature at school or be a writer. Those two things. I thought of those two things as uh, possible avenues. But when I was graduating from high school, uh, teaching was not interesting to me. And writing seemed uh, a, a frivolous profession, especially for someone uh, who... whose parents uh, saw as a person who would uh, help improve their economic uh, situation of our family. Uh, I chose engineering because engineering was familiar to me. Uh, my dad was an electrician. Uh, my mom was a construction laborer. And so I went to Moscow uh, State Civil Engineering University in Russia. I worked for uh, 15 years for various uh, engineering and construction companies. And I, uh, during that time, I moved to the U.S. Uh, about seven or eight years ago, uh, well, I guess when I moved to the U.S., I, like every immigrant, I sought a community of people from my country. I wanted to connect to my language and culture. And I got involved with this organization that uh, organized cultural events for uh, Central Asian diaspora in Bay Area uh, in California. And uh, occasionally I translated Kazakh literary texts for them. I would take this work home uh and work on in evenings or weekends and i suddenly realized when i was doing that that it made me very happy it was so much joy and uh a sense of fulfillment 
And I realized it was because it had those three things that I knew as a child were important for me, writing, reading, and language. And so at that point, even without knowing what a literary translation was, I said to myself, I'm going to do literary translation. Okay. How did you start doing it, which is your first notable translation? Uh, it was a short story by Almaz Mirzahmet. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's called, uh, in Kazakh, it's called Bakapai, and I forgot how I translated it into English. Uh, um, yeah, I, I always translate because uh, stories strike me, like uh, invoke an emotion in me. Um, and then I'm just interested in how to translate that emotion and maybe invoke that same emotion in readers. So that was one of the first stories. You were in uh, Alta Emerging Translate Mentorship Program where uh, Madhu Kaza has, uh, uh, she has been your mentor. Please tell us about the modality of the program and uh, what are your learnings? So uh, Alta Mentorship is... uh, pretty much unstructured. It's anything you and your mentor uh, wanted to make. Uh, You decide uh, how often you want to meet, uh, what format you want these meetings to take, and what you want to accomplish during this mentorship. But basically, it's uh, a mentor assigned to an emerging translator. They meet usually once a month, or less or more, and then translate, uh, the translator translates and the uh, mentor comments and they discuss the translation. So it was a very uh, helpful program for me, uh, first of all, because I rethought how I approach translation after this program. Before the mentorship, I didn't really think about what exactly I was doing. I was just thought I, I, I translated words in sentences and then I tried to make a coherent story out of what I translated. And as I said, I tried to evoke emotion. But when we met with Madhu Kaza, who is herself a translator, a writer, and an academic, she started asking uh, these questions that uh, were basically fundamental questions of literary translation. She would say, uh, like, what is this text trying to do? What is it trying to convey? What is the voice? What is the tone, atmosphere of the text? What decisions are you making as a translator? And at the time, I didn't know how to answer those questions. Um, and in search of these answers, I started taking English classes at a local community college and then went on to study at the, M- at the MFA in literary translation at the University of Iowa. So that was really important for me. And the other thing that was helpful is um, uh, this mentorship uh, helped me make connections in literary translation community and opened doors for me. So as 
someone who was unpublished uh, before the mentorship. I felt that having that on my resume uh, made me more, uh, like, uh, made editors maybe more open to my submissions. So now, what are your uh, current and future projects in translation? Uh, I started translating this novella by a Kazakh writer whose name is Didar Amantai. I really love his prose. It's story of this young man walking around Almaty, uh, which used to be a capital of Kazakhstan, um, and uh, grieving the uh, both the state of literature and uh, the uh, state of the country, because that was the time, it was 90s, the USSR collapsed, the conditions for people were brutal everything was falling apart old beliefs and uh and it was not clear what to do and he describes uh, the state of a young person who is entering his adulthood at the time when everything is collapsing and it's a very melancholy story and for some reason when i read it i think that it's a book about death. Some, uh, almost all uh, Didara Mantai's books are about death, in my opinion, because he never mentions death. But you read it and you know it's about death. And it's this uh, permeates throughout the book and it makes an immense impression. Now, we will come to the book uh, that is going to come out in the month of February, I guess, in 2024 from Tilted Access Press, To Hell with Poets. Please tell us about its uh, journey towards publication. Yeah, so To Hell with Poets is the English title of a story collection written by by young Kazakh writer Bagutkul Sarnikova, which I translated. Uh, it consists of 20 stories that follow misfortunes and misadventures of a cast of tragicomic characters. Uh, and these characters are basically caricatures of ordinary Kazakh people who either engage in or deal with hostility, injustice, and violence, which in my reading... Uh, are brought on by uh, powerful historical, economical, and social events and processes. So with regards to the publishing uh, with the Tilted Access Initiative, um, as you know, I got, I received a Penheim Translation Fund Grant to complete the translation of this work. And that happened in September 2022. And in October, at the end of October, Deborah Smith, who used to run Tilted Access Press, she sent me an email saying that they have an open submission period uh, in January when, and, and she suggested that I pitch a proposal to publish, to help with poets with them. 
And I did that in, in March that year. They responded saying that they would love uh, to publish it. So it happened pretty quickly. Any book recommendations for our you know, listeners about uh, works translated from Kazakh to English? Yeah. Um, so there are two books that I really enjoyed reading. One of them is a poetry collection by Aigerim Taje, uh, titled Paper Thin Skin and translated by Jim Cates. Uh, it was published in 2019 by Zephyr Press. Uh, Taje is a Kazakh woman poet who writes in Russian language. And her poems introduce us to a fragmentary mode of looking at the world that makes it strange, but also striking and alive. The other book is an anthology of short fiction titled Amanat, Women's Writing from Kazakhstan. The prose is diverse and compelling, and it reflects a woman's perspective of the world that is in many ways similar to Bakhut Kul's Samikov's fictional world, but it is conveyed in a quieter way, yet very powerfully. Please tell us about the other Sarmikova. So Sarmikova began posting her humorous short stories on Facebook in 2014. And they became so popular with readers that uh, editors, journal editors, publishers, and literary critics began paying attention. Um, She has since gotten uh, several literary prizes and awards and published a short story collection, which... uh, Interesting. Uh, She published the short story collection in 2019. But in 2020, because her stories are so popular, in 2020, it was published by another uh, press with more new stories in it. And now I hear this same collection has more stories and is going to publish by a third publisher. So she basically wrote one book, but it keeps evolving. And I translated the second version of this book. Uh, so Sarmikova has definitely taken a non-traditional path to writing. In Kazakhstan, many writers go to college to study philology and journalism and then go on to work in newspapers, magazines, and various literary organizations. Uh, in this way, they become a part of a larger uh, literary Kazakh community then there's no formal way to train as a writer in Kazakhstan. Uh, there's, uh, they don't have programs like creative writing, MFAs. And so uh, participating in this community is, I think, how Kazakh writers learn how to write, not only how to write, but also what to write about. And along the way, they pick up uh, various influences, trends, and even prejudices. Uh, Sarmikova, on the other hand, did not follow this path. She went to a two-year teacher's college. Then she studied law at, um, you know, doctors, lawyers, and engineers. Uh, 
And then she worked as a legal consultant, did a stint at the government office, uh, but she ended up being a business owner, small business owner. She currently runs a small lingerie store at a shopping mall, which is a, a fact that I really love. And so I think uh, the this fact that sh- she did not follow the path, the traditional path, the fact that uh, writing is more of a hobby than a full-time occupation, and the fact that she's a provincial writer rather than many writers who are concentrated in two urban centers in Pakistan makes her, uh, explains her unapologetic writing style and her choice of topics which tend to be unconventional and even controversial, especially for Kazakh women writers. So if I was to talk about what To Hell with Poets is about, I would say that Sarmikova's writing represents both an extension and a departure from the Aul prose, a local version of so-called village prose, and one of the dominant genres in Kazakh uh, literature of the 20th century. Well, Aul, which means village in Kazakh, uh, is historically a small group of closely related migrant households, which later... uh, became a rural settlement that sustained itself by livestock breeding and agriculture. The Aul has long been seen by Kazakh people as a symbol of the traditional culture, of home, of carefree childhood, and simple living. And the prose uh, written in this genre uh, reveals nostalgia for the innocence and oldness of the old ways of life. And works in the genre tend to idealize the rural characters and lament the disintegration and uh, the disappearance of their world. So Sarmikova's stories share this sentiment, but her portrayal of old life and its residents is bitter and pessimistic. Um, she was born in 1989, uh, right before the collapse of USSR. In, in one of the interviews, she mentioned that growing up, she saw how people around her struggled to survive during those times. And I think that, uh, her characters who tend to be either naive or malicious, they reflect this uh, inner discord uh, of a people who are trying to hold on to their cultural values, but also trying to adapt to this new era where that is uh, capitalist and more ruthless, maybe. The other thing that I'm really interested in is uh, Sarmikov's genre of satire. Um, satirical prose, especially written by women, is scarce in Kazakhstan. And Sarmikova approaches satire differently, too. Not only her characters are unlikable and pathetic, uh, her narrator, too, is an unpleasant and unkind person. 
And uh, when I thought about why why she chose uh, her narrator to be this way, I thought that one reason might be that Kazakhstan is a patriarchal country, and as such, it imposes uh, stereotypical ideals of what a woman should be, while behind this artificial facade, uh, women experience um, discrimination and violence. Uh, so these ideals, I, uh, you can find them in Kazakh literature. It's a um, figure of a young, innocent, beautiful girl. The other one is a faithful, submissive, industrious wife. The other one is dedicated, sacrificing mother. And this ideal are unattainable and unrealistic, especially if you are being held responsible for basically all aspects of domestic life. Um, and I think what happened is that Kazakh women learned to navigate this patriarchal culture, to subvert it in a way, so that uh, in... Uh, Small towns, you know, I grew, grew up in one of them. Women uh, know to present their, um, a persona, a proper persona in certain public-facing situations. But in their daily life, they uh, engage sometimes playfully, sometimes uh, seriously. This, their uh, acerbic, querulous, even nasty and uh, vulgar selves. And I think Sarmikova channels this persona, the vulgar one, the, the, the uh, bitter and resentful uh, person who is unacceptable. And if you notice, this, all these qualities are directly opposite to the qualities of the ideal female figures. What are the challenges you faced while translating this book? So the biggest challenge for me was probably capturing Sarmikova's uh, very specific brand of humor. Uh, the storylines reflected uh, the general humor of a given situation, but there was this subtle, ubiquitous, and insistent sarcasm that seemed to operate at the level of words and sentences. And so I tried to spot these individual words that changed the entire atmosphere of a sentence, of sometimes a somber sentence, and think about how to convey this humor through either finding a similarly impactful English word or uh, shifting that humor to a different part of a sentence. So there's a pivotal moment in the short story, The Black Colt, when the character named Torar dies, uh, which goes like this. Then, one wet summer day, while driving his ship toward the wall, Torar stepped carelessly on the broken end of a down power line and died. His body burned to a crisp. So the sentence sounds almost innocuous in the beginning, only to end in a sudden horrific revelation. And it was important for me to maintain this unknowingness as long as possible and raise the pitch of a sentence uh, slowly and gradually to allow the last words, which are 
so detached to the point of being scornful uh, to strike like the electric charge that killed Turar. In the original, that last phrase sounds which translates to something like his body having burned he passed on to the eternity. So kapkara uh, means very black, but uh, in, if you translate it literally, it would be like blah black. And it sounds very childish. And so I wanted to uh, convey this callousness and immaturity uh, but and I ended up using this flippant expression that inappropriately evokes food and cooking like burnt dyed his body burnt to crisp. Can you please read a paragraph uh, from the book? Uh, please name the story too in Kazakh and in English from the collection. So I want to read uh, the first paragraph from the short story. Uh, by Bakut Kulsarmikva called The Black Coal. Bir kulağının kem estetine ngaysızdanıp, ngmeden kurgalıp koymau ışın, auzı jıbırlağanın bärine bas ezep, külüberetine karap tanımaytın bireuler, aqlı esinde aqau var dep uylap kalu mümkün. Özüne qadalgan suq közderden odan sayın ngaysızdanıp, mezgülsiz akkırgen şaşın alakanımen ıypalıp, abegirlilen kalatını var. Asresi, Әйел тұқымы жанына жақындап кетсе, тұрардың көзі жыпылықтап, жүгіріп қан қыздырмайық өне бойын тер басып, бір қызарып, бір бозарып, темекінің ұсына сарғайған істерін көрсетіп, ебедейсіз жымыңдай керетін қылығын білвалған қуақы женгелері жанына өтіп бара жатып, бүйірінен түртіп, қаймақ толы бүйенде үркілтеген омыраулармен and now the English version. Embarrassed by being deaf in one ear, he worried about missing out on conversations and had a habit of nodding and giggling whenever people as much as twitched their lips, prompting some to wonder if it was soft in the head. The stranger's harsh stare made him uncomfortable, and he'd fidget and tussle his hair, which was sprinkled with gray strands that had crept into early for his age. Especially when a woman came near him, Torar would begin to blink rapidly, get red and sweaty, then turn white as a sheet, all while burying his tobacco-stained teeth in an awkward grin. Some of the more brazen women in our rural Aul had taken note of this and would tease him, pinching his side as they walked by, brushing up against him with their breasts that were plump and quivering like intestines filled with sour cream. In those moments, one couldn't help but pity Torar. Thank you for your time. It has been such an engaging conversation. Thank you very much. I hope so. Thank you, Anil. It was really fun to talk to you. You are such a warm person. It was easy. Thank you. <laughs>